1: hey everybody welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast i'm john burke and with me from across the pond uh over in his oil fields is matt hudson from what i watch tonight.co.uk i did it again um matt how you doing
0: i i'm doing very well my friend i really wish i had the money that those oil fields um begat to uh, bestow upon people oh um, I, I
1: i meant to say it was olive oil uh that you spilled earlier um all over your field it's, it's much very more slippery. Like-
0: I'd say more more vegetable oil because that's cheaper ah, uh, and easier fair. to come by than olive oil. But um, and you can fry bacon in it. So bacon is always a win. No, I'm doing okay, my friend. Of course, we're recording a slightly different day and time at the minute, so yeah. I'm going to have to refrain from saying this evening. But I don't know about you. I find there's something comforting when I'm listening to a podcast. Oh, the, the, the times I actually do. Something when they say, "Oh, this evening!" Oh, it sounds really comforting and warming. Oh, this evening, yeah, and no, night no, night's no, drawn in, and we're going to sit down and hear a story or something. I don't know if it's just me or not, but I default to saying "this evening." So if I do say that, guys, just pretend it's a balmy autumn's evening, and we're talking about tonight's film. But I'm doing well, uh, other than rambling on as usual. How about you? You keeping Florida safe and well?
1: Yeah, doing doing my part. It's a it's a, it's a cool morning today. Uh, we are we're recording on a Sunday. We usually we record on Tuesdays, uh, but I well. have. A, i have a super busy week this week uh and so we needed to, uh, we didn't want to wait till the end of the week to record this episode Dude. so we decided to move up our recording and uh for me it's early morning it's like it's 10 o'clock um i have already been to the gym and uh that's pretty much all <laughs> i've done so far today um gym I have I not. shower um I've but, to the gym. Ah, well that's the important thing um you know uh so we are here uh you know in in a way usually we we've, we've had time to like watch a bunch of movies and stuff in between we we don't really have that today but the movie we're here to talk about is rather long um not in a, i am not being critical about it often yes on this podcast we have made comments about movies being too long and sometimes we're right um for sure like there are definitely movies that are unnecessarily too long um I, you know, if the movie keeps me pulled in, if it, if it doesn't feel long while I'm watching it, I don't have an issue with it. It does create other logistical problems because I do like to watch a movie in one sitting in most cases. I don't enjoy like breaking it into parts because that's not how the film was designed. Um, but it's much harder to commit to three and a half hours plus 20 minutes of trailers uh, and, tra-
0: and travel as well. Don't forget, J.B.
1: Yeah, and travel, uh, you know, for a movie like this, uh, which this movie is Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese film that we're going to be talking about here momentarily. But, um, yeah, Matt, you are much more vocal about your distaste for longer films. Scorsese has been pushing back against this. Um, uh, You know, overall, do you have any comments on on the length or or, uh, the commitment of going to see this?
0: I feel like Scorsese versus Hudson could be the new Scorsese versus Marvel. Um, Films are getting longer, it would seem, uh, even if they don't necessarily need to be. It becomes quite a relief now when we see a film and it's only two hours long, which is wild. And yeah, I I will always push back against a film that's too long. it, It kind of puts me on the back foot when I see a film is three and a half hours long, because I immediately think, right. If this doesn't need to be three and a half hours long, I'm immediately not going to be into it. I know there's going to be stretches where I'm going to be out of this. Plus, like you say, just like practically, it's going to take me 20, 20 25 minutes to get to the cinema and back again. So just shy of an hour, plus 20 to 30 minutes of trailers. This film's three and a half hours long. We're talking about almost five hours. That is a whole yeah. evening. That is literally finishing work, eating on the way to the theatre and watching the film and then coming home going to bed. That, but, you know, that's that's not exactly the world's worst problem. Let's not. Try, I'm not going to try and trivialise this and say, oh, no, nobody in the world has worse issues than me because of that. Absolutely not. But I do feel like, uh, you know, longer films, they kind of almost handicap themselves to start with. Now, Scorsese gave us an incredibly long film, In the Irishman, which dropped on Netflix the other year. And I actually quite enjoyed that. And I think it just about justified its length. Yes, there were stretches of it that could be taken out, I think. And listen, I don't want to ever sit here and tell Martin Scorsese how to edit his films or how to uh, present his films, because if anyone has earned the right to deliver these films, it's Scorsese, or Scorsese, who's been in the business now for 50-odd years, delivered classics of American or just cinema in general. You know, he's He's earned his stripes now, and he seems to be such a lovable guy as well. Just don't ask him about comic book films. However... Killers mean, Power Moon is three and a half hours long, John. And I don't mean to take away from your uh, initial thoughts. My foot uh, on, on the runtime though. I think this is, I think there is an astonishing two and three quarter hour film here.
1: Oh. You so you think it, it does run a little long um. with
0: caveat. So I think, I think I'm going to be on a similar level to you when it comes to the runtime, because I don't know anything. I don't know anything that John thinks about this film other than I remember him saying the other week that, the runtime wasn't quite as... It didn't really feel... He didn't notice it. It was paced well. I think we're going to be on a similar wavelength despite that prior comment I've just made. So, <clears throat> interested to hear what you think there, my
1: friend. Well, let's get into the stats. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, obviously uh, co-written with him and Eric Roth for the screenplay. It's adapted from the David Grand book, which has a few more words on it. I think it's Killers of the Flower Moon, something with the FBI or something like that. But um, I, I have purchased the book on Audible the audiobook, and i have yet to listen to it but i am i am intrigued uh having now seen the film um mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the trailers for this folks it's got some pretty big stars in it we got leonardo dicaprio uh in essentially the lead role which i think some people take an issue with rightfully so um given the nature of the story at least uh robert de niro as william hale um his uncle lily gladstone as molly burkhart jesse Plemons shows up at some point uh incredibly i'm reading the order on imdb i'm going to read through a lot of these because i think a lot of people deserve to be mentioned it. um tantu cardinal john lithgow brendan frazier which is way too high on this cast list because he is not in the movie very long uh kara jade myers janae collins jillian dion jason isbell william balau lewis Cancelmi, um scott shepherd i think i'm getting to a point where i don't want i feel like there's a lot of uh, indigenous actors in this film, and I, I don't think they often get representation. So I, I don't want to leave someone out. Um, and this IMDb list is unwieldy. I I, I you know what? Pat Healy has such a distinct face. It was driving me nuts watching the movie because I couldn't place his name. And like I'm like I know who this is. Why can't I figure <laughs> out who this is? Um, and seeing him, I'm like, duh. Um,
0: I'd throw in Yancey Redcorn as a chief and Tatanka Meade yes. as well. Uh, very good up and coming actor there. But it's a big ki- big cast, which does Giant cast. Um, need a big old cast reading though. Usually we'd skip over some, but we can't here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still scrolling because the order of this IMDb list does not make sense to me. Because like Brandon Fraser is way too high on the list. Uh, and not in a... You're going to think I'm... I, later when I mention him, you will disregard what I'm about to say. It's not a commentary on his role in the film as much as his uh, he's just not in it much he's like a very late addition to the film in terms of the story and like it's weird that he's so high on the list other than he's the most recent best after winner so um that would be my assumption why he's so highly billed but yes um so uh those are the details of the cast and crew uh that we usually refer to and then we're going to get into the ratings um after i read the synopsis if you haven't heard what this movie's about and i honestly didn't know exactly what this movie was to be honest going I, into it. like um and i i didn't realize it was based on a true story i knew it was based on a book but i didn't know the book was like a true story um and the synopsis is members of the Osage tribe in the United States are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation involving J Edgar Hoover, which of course is kind of interesting because J Edgar Hoover has a biopic directed by Clint Eastwood called J Edgar that stars Leonardo DiCaprio in that role. So, um, kind of a fun nod there. Uh, I've never seen that movie though. I don't think it's very well regarded. Um, but this movie is right now, 92% rotten tomato score from critics, 84 audience, which is, I wasn't sure how audiences would vibe with a three and a half hour movie. That's based on a true story. Although true crime real popular right now. So not totally surprising that people are vibing with the, uh, the overall inherent truth. And again, most likely for a lot of people, this will be the first they've ever heard of this story. Um, which is true for me. I did not know anything about this story Mm -hmm. and, uh, the stuff like this is what makes me mad about my history classes in high school because um, this and the Tulsa uh, situation that I learned about from Watchmen of all things, the HBO g- series. I had never heard of the Tulsa. Uh, uh, I'm gonna. I don't want to misrepresent memes and such. Yeah, the Tulsa Massacre. Um, I, I Black Wall Street is the, the name I was hesitating to pull. Um, I, I knew nothing of that until Watchmen. And I knew nothing of the Osage situation until Killers of the Flower Moon film, which I will now listen to the audiobook because I am intrigued by. Um, and I also I did buy a book about the the Tulsa Massacre after seeing The Watchmen because I, again, had never heard of it um, in all of my years of, of education. Uh, fair. I, I was about to say I have a master's degree, but my master's degree is not in history. So it would be weird if they started teaching that in the IT program. But nevertheless, um I think for audiences, I think this story is probably going to be new to them. Um, 84% though, RT audience, 90 metascore, 8.2 IMDb user score, and a 4.3 letterbox. So people are enjoying this movie overall. And I mean, when you hear that cast, uh, even when De Niro or DiCaprio turn in their lesser performances, they're still Leo and and Robert. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're still going to be good, even at their worst they have they have talent um that's not to say i like all of their performances but it's still like you can't you're never gonna look at them like they don't know how to act they do you know they do so even when they're phoning it in they're still like a natural charm and charisma and even maybe memory in your own in your own head playing a factor that you're like well i know they're good i've seen them be incredible you know um and that's not to say they're bad here i actually like both of them a lot uh i i really enjoyed this movie um Enjoy is a strong word because it's it's hard to enjoy. This movie is devastating. And uh, there was a part where the sheer weight of the horrors that were happening in this movie. Uh, Lily Gladstone's character is grieving. And all of that hit me at that moment. And it was because of her performance. I was really impressed with Gladstone. I had seen certain women. Um, I think I might have seen one other thing she's in, but my memory of certain women is I, I binged a lot of movies that week when I watched certain women. So I don't remember specifics at all at this point. Um, I think I, think think I watched
0: cow, the Kelly, um, yes. Kelly yeah, record, uh, Kelly record film.
1: which I also saw and liked a lot. Um, but also my memory of that are the two guys. I don't remember almost anything else about that. Then the cow, uh, but you know, um, and I, I mean, it's in, in general, I've watched, a lot of movies over the last couple of years. If I haven't rewatched it, it's very hard for it to, to like pull out specifics um, this far in. But in this movie, watching it now, Gladstone stood out to me as, uh, I mean, she's the emotional center of the film for a multitude of reasons, but her performance alone carries that. And she, she, when she breaks down, it crushed me. Like it hit hard while watching this. And I, I was really blown away by her, um I also again I think De Niro is is scary in like a really cool way like he's not over the top he's almost too controlled where that's what makes him so scary is like he is not afraid of anything and it's like it's it's unnerving um and DiCaprio DiCaprio's maybe being a little silly at times but I I, I always like Leo <laughs> so it's hard for me to like you know I'm like no nah, he's he's doing stuff um Plemons shows up Always love that guy, man. Uh, everything he's in. Um, it's funny because this movie's warranted. All of a sudden, there's a lot of game night memes of him saying the Frito Lay's joke uh, in in that movie. I don't know why his role here has brought that meme b- back all of a sudden, but it's like flooding my my channels on socials, and I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. Um, Lithgow and Fraser show up as the lawyers uh, on opposite sides. Uh, for this this movie does turn into a a I don't want to say it turns into a procedural. It gets to a courtroom drama, but not really. Like, it's it's not in the courtroom a lot. It, it A lot of the the third act, or, I don't know, fourth and fifth act, um, are in the courtroom at times, but not a lot. But Lithgow, a little... He he chooses scenery a bit in most of the... Like, in a lot of roles that he's taken. He kind of does here. But I don't know what the hell Brandon Fraser's doing in this movie, dude. Like... He didn't get the memo, did he? Are you on the same page with me on this? Because I love seeing
0: Brendan Fraser's name on the cast list. I couldn't fathom what the hell he was doing, screaming and shouting in this film.
1: God. Dude, it it seems to be splitting Twitter. Like, there are people who think his performance is incredible. And then there's us, apparently, who are like, what is happening? And I think he's incredible. I love Brendan Fraser. And I'm just like, what is he doing? And Sean has a take. He's he's he likes it has a, a take that I'm like, if I had that mindset, maybe it wouldn't have registered the way it did. Um, but yeah, I was like when he showed up, I'm like, oh, great, Brandon Fraser. And then like two seconds in, I'm like, what is he doing? Just it, shouting. It, literally he's just shouting. And it Hello, feels man. like he's reading lines like like Scorsese. He's like, here, say this. And he's just regurgitating yep. this the script, which I think does make sense because the lawyer is He's lying. he knows he's lying, right? Like there's it's, every yeah. word he's saying he knows has been fed to him by William Hale. But it it still feels like it could be a like a believable performance, because it's not believable. It's like wow, Who this guy's
0: is... please.
1: Yeah, I, I was really surprised at that. Um <laughs> I, like of all the things I, I, I actually really like Pat Healy's kind of like the as the FBI guy. Um he's stoic looking and he he almost reminded me of Flea. From the Chili Peppers, like the few movies that Flea's been in, um, just like his look and his his kind of demeanor. Uh, but I, I'm I'm often a fan of Pat Healy, but um, I liked him and uh, the whole FBI angle was interesting. Um, and so listeners, we didn't say this, but uh, this is a true story, but it's a true story. A lot of people aren't familiar with, mm-hmm. um, but we're not going to do a spoiler episode for this we're not going to spoil specifics. We're not going to tell you who did what or how the results. I mentioned a court case. I didn't even say who's on trial, right? Like we're leaving a lot of details out in the air. Um, But we are going to mention how this film chooses to tell us the ending. We're not going to tell you the ending, but this movie has, uh, we get, we get voiceover, right? Like we hear narration a few different times throughout the film from different characters. Um but there's no framing device in the film. Like we're not we're not shown that we're hearing this story from, you know, like a, a withering grandmother telling her granddaughter the story of her lost love and Edward Scissorhands. Like we're not getting that kind of framing or wraparound device that would introduce how this film chooses to end because we're in this intense scene where two characters are addressing a major element that we have known. The dramatic irony is at its high. Like we know the truth and a question, a character is asking another character for that information that we know. Yep. And the way that plays out is really tense. It's really, you know, it's sitting and you don't know what's going to happen. And if you're me, uh, you have it, you have a clear, I want this to happen. I want this thing to take place because it's the only right thing that could happen here. And then we cut to what, what, by today's standards would have been a true crime podcast, but it's uh, set yeah. in the time period. So it's a talk radio show that has all of the bells and whistles of like the sound effects. Cause it, it's pre TV. So it's like, you know, if, if you're at yeah. home, you're listening to a radio show. Um, and yeah, why sound effects? Yeah. Yeah. Which are really cool to watch people doing. And I didn't catch, uh, I didn't realize this until way later. Tuna actually is the reason I even know this. Um, but, uh, Jack white is one of the guys in that I sequence.
0: Saw that, Cause I was like, do you know like you with um uh was it pat uh, Pat yes i was like who is that guy and then it wasn't till afterwards it "It is jack white yes very cool
1: yeah and i guess uh sean knew jack white was in this and was looking for him throughout and then didn't even register that it was him in the part (laughs) that makes the most sense i actually I, i don't i didn't register that so i don't know is he playing the piano is he that guy
0: uh no he's playing one of the uh go- i guess he's playing an instrument but he is more of an actor in the scene
1: so um it's a weird choice it, it to me and i said this in my written review it feels more like something out of a Wes Anderson movie than a Scorsese film to cut to this you know weird framing device that had not been introduced yet in the film but the implication being that all of the story all of the uh, at least all of the legal stuff um is being told to us through this talk radio show essentially. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's an interesting choice. It's not, I don't dislike it, but it was, it felt like it came out of nowhere. And, uh, the rare, I I don't know. I don't think it's a spoiler to say Scorsese is in the scene. Um, he's
0: in quite a few of his films.
1: He is, but he's not, I mean, like a lot of times he's like a real quick, like he's like in the taxi and taxi driver, like, you know, like, uh, it, it's like more of a Hitchcock cameo, right, where it's not important yeah, yeah. to the plot the here. He like he's clearly feels that this message is so vital that he himself should deliver it, um, especially since he is taking on this story to tell. Do you think uh, of that do I, 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 I think it works? Um, I'd like to see it again. Uh, It was jarring in my first viewing. You know, like, now that I know it's coming, I think maybe I would be better prepared. It does feel like it comes out of nowhere. Almost like, almost like he couldn't have finished the film if he didn't summarize that part. You know, like, it would have been four and a half hours. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he had shown us all of the stuff that the radio show tells us, maybe it's another hour-long movie. And he's like, I gotta truncate this somehow. I'll I'll just tack it on at the end. Um, What... Yeah. So overall, I really like this film. I think Gladstone to me was the biggest highlight. I thought this moment was weird, but but not bad. Just unexpected. And I don't. I've seen all of Scorsese's films. Uh, I can't say I remember all of them. And he's done some weird stuff. I don't remember him ever doing this kind of cut to a framing device like that. Um, that I can recall. Uh, if if so, it would be maybe one of his more recent. I've only seen Irishman once, and um, I've seen Silence. The- yeah, no, and I uh, I don't think so. But um, overall, I'm I'm very positive on this film. I don't think this is Scorsese's best, but I I do I I would rather rewatch this than The Irishman. Um, even though I think Joe Pesci is incredible in The Irishman. Um, I I, I had I was much more in engaged in this story, partly because I couldn't believe it was real, and I was again upset that I didn't know the story. And I think this story has a more, um important message to for us to know than the irishman like yes the irishman is based on a true story but i don't feel like i i gained anything learning that story where i'm i feel frustration that i just learned this story you know like i feel like i should have always known this story um but matt what about you how was what was your take on killers of the flower moons
0: killer this is one of my uh in the bampies that we dropped at the beginning of this year this was one of my five films i was looking forward to most many it's a scorsese film why wouldn't it be almost yeah um and i have comments on that but um just on that last part you mentioned about you know watching this rather than something of like the irishman you know i'm not subjective not going to disagree on it. but i do find with scorsese's more recent efforts like this the irishman and silence they're not films i really want to go back to and I'll say that about Killers of the Flower Moon as well. That isn't my take on the film, but having watched it now and absorbed it and experienced it, I can't imagine myself sitting there thinking, damn, I cannot wait to go through that again. I can wait to sit through this again because it's a heavy film, very heavy film. And it's also very long. And, um, and on that, I also give props to Apple TV. Well, you know, people knock streaming services. Apple TV plus have said to uh, Martin Scorsese, here's $200 million do you go and do you and we're going to put it out. Do you know why? Cause we're Apple and we make tens of billions of dollars every month. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're going to put it out in the theaters. It isn't going to make any money. That isn't again, that's a, it's a three and a half hour film, but then Oppenheimer did. It's not going to make its money back into theaters. I don't think, or certainly isn't going to, it's certainly going to, it may break even. I don't know, but for Apple, they, they you know, they are putting that entire artistic integrity ahead of profits because they can for one because they get so much but i love that and also napoleon coming up in a couple of weeks is also produced and financed by apple tv yeah so we're getting these classic directors legendary directors being basically being given carte blanche and i'll never ever ever begrudge that i think it's great and i think and i love the fact that in 2023 we can get something like killers of the flower moon a big sweeping western drama epic 200 million dollar budget how many other studios are financing this and it's three and a half hours long None. Yeah, Re- realistically, none. And if they do, will they have the license that Scorsese clearly has here? No, it's a fact. I think for me as objectively, no other studio was given a Scorsese this chance. And I'm so glad Apple TV Plus did. That said, I liked the film. I didn't love the film. I liked it, though. Um, some of it was was the runtime. I do think in the second act, second part, I think it slows down a little bit too much in there. And it really picks up when Jesse Plemons' character comes in. That's yep. when you almost get like a tonal shift as well uh, in the film. And Jesse Plemons is, is is always, 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 always very good. And on the performances, I agree. And it's become a bit of a uh, a standard take now looking online. But Lily, Lily Gladstone is, is so very good in this. She's got this simmering, quiet intensity yeah. throughout. Wow. She didn't even need to say anything. But then when she... Like like you mentioned, when she has to show her emotions or when the or when she hits breaking point, my god, you know, is that something to behold? And it's the, the rawness of her performance throughout is yeah. astonishing, really. And I, I, I I'm not really au okay fait with Lily Gladstone's career. I've seen First Cow. I've really seen anything else, but I, when I saw her on the, the, the marketing and the call cool I wasn't I wasn't thinking, oh, cool. I know who that is. I was like, okay, cool. Look, there's DiCaprio and De Niro. That, that and now i'm thinking it's the other way around now she's really yeah. very good despite being sidelined for quite a lot of the film but the reason is explained the reason is essential to the story we'll say that right now yeah kind of wishes in it a bit more but which is oh, odd too. because the book which i haven't read i've read the back cover but i did a little research in it the book focuses more on molly the film is not does not and i no. do and i think the focus on Ernest's character played by Leo DiCaprio. I think it feels a little bit off kilter. And I, and I think this is personally me. I think the Osage are now secondary focus in their own story, which mm-hmm. I thought was a little odd, not to say, of course says he shouldn't have been the one to direct this, not at all. Um, but the Osage, I don't know. They just seemed a little naive throughout. You've got, again, I, I cannot throughout the film, and again, this is this is the this is the beauty of being a viewer. We know what's going on. We know who is who and what their motivations are. But I could not f- believe in this film that not one person picked up on who was pulling the strings here. I could oh, not yeah. believe it. I was like, that's this is this is making these this this, this tribe's culture a little bit silly. And um wasn't a huge fan of that, but I don't also believe in pigeonholing and saying, well, only an Osage director could have made this. Not at all. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. And apparently there was a lot of consultants on set to ensure accuracy, mm-hmm. which I think is extremely important. Um, Robert De Niro. I think Robert De Niro, like you, I think he's got a really uh, cool presence to him. He's very menacing in this film. His accent isn't, but I think he's. it's Robert De Niro in a Scorsese film, other than his fake fighting in The Irishman. He, he, you're kind of attuned now to expect something decent out of him. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, guns and scowls his way through the film. I think he's good. I don't think this is his best performance by any means. Yeah. No. Uh, and
1: uh,
0: I sent a message to John calling him Dane DiCaprio or Leonardo DiCaprio Cause I couldn't get over the fact that he like Dane Hahn throughout quite a lot of this film. It was off putting. And <laughs> there was, I had a hot take during it. And I don't know if you would agree with me or not, JP. Here we go. For me, I think this film could have actually been elevated by switching Jesse Plemons and Leo DiCaprio's roles around. Mm. I think if you swap those, I think the I don't know this. I, Jesse Plemons when he t- also he's got that authentic Southern drawl anyway. I would have yeah. loved to see him because I believe when this film was uh, initially announced or when Jesse Plemons was cast, the rumours were that he was the lead in this film or at least had a significant leading role. Now I can't say he has in this uh, throughout, but I would have loved to have seen him in DiCaprio's role for this time around and have Leo come in and play that role i think for me that probably would have made it a little bit stronger but i loved the uh chemistry between dicaprio and gladstone that's all in the trailers um there it's there's a lot of goodfellas about this just with different settings yeah scorsese-ness he is he's an old timer and he's going to fall back on old habits in fact there's a certain scene in this film which which is almost a shot by shot recreation of a scene in goodfellas um in towards that final third of the film um i think okay the film looks incredible let's get that out of the way now the film the cinematography in this film is yeah. incredible uh, rodrigo prieto does this this film is stunning we did an episode of movie astrology recently where we spoke about westerns and how more often than not you can count on them looking sumptuous looking so good and this film is great it's not just the uh, landscapes on offer it's the techniques used to bring them to life the high shots the wide shots the establishing the crane the drones everything used really 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 uh inventive use of the camera and the music by long-term collaborator robbie robertson is also very 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 decent however i think another thing i found when i said that i think this is a an astonishingly good two hours and th- two and three quarter hour film he says too much repetition for me in the dialogue or sometimes the visuals you'll you'll get people plotting or planning or scheming or or just talking and they'd be discussing or describing something and then they'd almost repeat it either at the same time or later on to seemingly to ensure that the audience knows everything that's going on so nobody's left in the dark and i think there was too much of that going on or there was too much of the dialogue felt I want to say handholdy almost, especially to, and again, that, that part at the very end as well. I don't know, but that's one of the things I think they could have cut down on is um, let's not, let, let's give the audience some credit here and let, let, let things unfold about even when there's kind of these atrocities going on and we're told about them later on, we are then shown scenes of them happening as well. And it's kind of like the Oppenheimer thing where some people wanted to see the Hiroshima stuff. I didn't, I think the way they did it there was great. I think we could have had a little bit more restraint here and just you know, but sometimes telling and not showing it can be just as important. But that's you know, that's something I picked up on. Was it bad? No, because the actors who were delivering it were doing um, yeah. very good work. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, not the hell he was doing, just bellowing his way through, burping his way through. Um the final parts of the film now, again, we're not gonna do spoilers. So the, I think the, the scene that you mentioned where there are two people um, faces kind of sitting down and discussing something that's happened in the film uh, and one of them asks them a direct question of which they need the, or they know the answer to like we do now. Yeah. Stunning, stunning, s- sensationally good scene. Excellent. So scene powerful. Involved. So tense, so upsetting, so heartbreaking. And, and it kind of makes you just, just cry for, the, for humanity at that moment a little bit. Excellent um and you could have ended it there and you've got yeah. your ending and you could have had your title cards come up or your flash cards instead we get the scene that you mentioned and the score says enough of it all at the end it kind of took me out of that film a bit moment because it's it's breaking the fourth wall and then there's essentially calling time on your film and just you know having you know hitchcock would introduce the film at the beginning this felt like the antith- the opposite of that like Scorsese coming in to say right i'm going to end the film now by saying this it didn't really feel like a particularly natural ending, even though we got a really nice uh, and a really powerful uh, um, uh, helicopter shot next. I, I, I thought it was a really odd idea. At first, I thought, I wonder if this was like a COVID thing, because I know it had a lot of issues during COVID, where they had to push production. I was like, I wonder if they had to shoot this like this because they couldn't get everyone back. But then I thought, no, that's ridiculous, because the pulling power says they absolutely would have got everyone back. So, so it's it's so it's an artistic design, and I didn't dislike, it, I didn't hate it. It was very yeah. jarring, though the whole thing. It looked right. great. Let's not forget the production design is great. It it's was very, very cool. It's very cool. It's a very interesting way of doing. it And I and I guess I that I, I don't want to say I prefer it over title cards because if we had that scene that we both agree is like scintillatingly heartbreaking at the end, that's such a powerful. Scene. Yeah. If you fade to black there and have the information said in that f- finale, in kind of um black screen white text i almost think that would have been just as hard hitting when we find out the the aftermath of what happened and just how goddamn infuriating justice can be sometimes i think it would have been even more hard hitting with if the final thing we see was those characters face to face and in that moment but it's really I, i think it's really well a lot of it is really well done i don't want to sit here and say that there are aspects of this i don't like jb the runtime, I do, I you know, I don't think it needed to be three and a half hours long. But that said, I wasn't sitting there looking at my clock. I think it's paced well enough, apart from that second act, which I do think slows down a bit. Um, I think it the sort of says is, he's, uh
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry but just with the pacing, he said he he took inspiration from Aster's, uh *Midsummer* and um, *Bo is Afraid*. Uh, yes, which I um, because of like that that erratic kind of stressful pacing. Of those films like he wanted us to have that and I do I, I did feel like the editing was a little erratic in the point that I was having a hard time how long were we with them like I it, it didn't it felt like we were just with them for a few weeks and it was like years had gone by yeah. Um, and I I was having a hard time like sussing that out because of the erratic pacing which apparently was what he was going for he wanted us to feel kind of confused and and uncertain about all of the details yeah, and
0: that's not for me that jb in and uh, you know i in a film like Midsommar, i think you can get away with that because you know the whole thing is a psychedelic trip and um, yeah, and they're
1: they're the characters are are losing track of time because it's 24 hours of sunlight you know
0: exactly and they're losing track of their minds as well because they're on stuff after right. time in, in the film so i think it works conceptually quite well there i don't think it works as well here for the reasons you said so i think the dialogue for the most part or the screenplay for the most part is good i just think there's too much repetition the performances across the board are very strong some exceptionally good lily gladstone uh and and also leonardo dicaprio does get a shouty moment don't worry he also got paid a um he also got paid a backup fee as well to um help his help him get through the film i heard because his on-screen partner was over 25 so he had to get paid a, a bit of extra there to get him through it good old leo dicaprio but um yeah there's not but there's nothing here i watched and thought yeah this is this stinks It's a great looking film. It's an extremely important story, which I think the the legacy of this film is people now maybe think, wow, this is something in American history, which a brutal chapter (laughs) of it, which we didn't know about. And now we do. So good performances, great cinematography, uh, one great performance. Uh, Good. uh, I enjoyed the music, JB, the runtime too long, but I have seen more egregious instances of it this year. And listen, I'm just glad we get to see Scorsese doing what he wants to do and not shackled by the studio system. Uh, I just wonder what the bloody hell Brendan Fraser was doing. But if you want an emotional, heavy film, this this is the one for you. But like John said, it isn't an enjoyable film. You're not going to go in and get the Wolf of Wall Street here or something like that. This is not a film which is enjoyable. Though there are moments of comedy in this, which I think there are. I could have done without that, though, because I think this film is so heavy. I think I actually would have just preferred that tone rather than trying to lighten up a little bit, but overall, John, I liked it. Didn't love it, but it's still going to get a very high. It would probably still be a four out of five for me though.
1: Yeah. And I I would say a lot of the humor is at the expense of Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Like we're supposed to view him as kind of an idiot. Um, Yeah. But again, yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessary, although it, it did. I did laugh. A lot of the humor is also early. Um, when you're not quite sure how awful this movie is going to like, not awful as in the movie is bad, but like how awful the story is going to get. Um Cause you're like, I, I was very uncertain what I was getting into when I saw this, but nevertheless, uh, agreed. Um, very good film uh, for me and Scorsese. Again, a filmmaker I tend to vibe with. So um that's our review of killers of flower moon. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, we're not doing a spoiler app, but we, we did, we did a good job of discussing the whole film without giving specifics of of results and such. Um, But it's a story I think everyone should hear. So even if it's bad, it's painful to hear, but it should be heard. And uh, I'm glad at least it is now out there um, in some way.
0: I agree, my friend. The only, uh, the only comment I would like to say is uh, I've seen so too many people online before the film came out already hailing this as a masterpiece. And, and I think sometimes they are too quick to hail films as a masterpiece, and a lot of that is X or Twitter. I think people, and also Letterboxd as well. a lot of people do just see the director and think this is I, 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 this has to be five stars. And I do think sometimes there is a little bit of disingenuous side to that um but and again it is all subjective but sometimes i think yeah there's a bit of hyperbole when it comes to a no learner scorsese um and the same for actors as well maybe i'm part of the problem with certain actors directors as well but um i've just seen a lot of people saying that this is going to change your life this is the best film in de- of the decade of the century and to them it might be but i sometimes feel it's a little bit performative going with ex- open expectations and hopefully you enjoy it you know like we did
1: i hope so well, folks, we're going to move on to our next segment. That's Choffed Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention, except that's not true this week. Uh, like, if you've been mm. listening to, for the month of October, our headlines are related to the podcast, because we are in the middle of our horror movie Havoc uh, first ever bracket for the month of October. We, we have picked 31 horror films, uh, 15 for Matt, 15 for me, and then the best overall rated Film on Letterboxd that is also on Shudder that we did not pick, which was Possession. And we have put them in a bracket, uh, pairing them off throughout the month. We are in round two, the Sweet 16, and we're about halfway through the Sweet 16. So we're going to go through the results so far. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about Ringu versus the Changeling, Pulse versus Dark and the Wicked. The Lake Mungo versus Ginger Snaps, Revenge versus Goodnight Mommy, and What Josiah Saw versus The Babadook. Now we've already talked about all of these movies previously because they've all already been through a round. They've survived. These are the mo- the movies that won. Round two is here, um, and we've we've gotten through those events. So if you haven't been keeping up, Matt votes, I vote, and then uh, we have a, a vote on Twitter and Instagram that you can vote on, and it's whoever gets the most votes moves on to the next round. Um well, we've seen so,
0: those but, sometimes, haven't we?
1: Yeah, uh several times. Um Matt and I have been divided. Uh you we we're not always picking the movies that we picked. Um I had picked about half of the ones I picked I had never seen before, so I didn't necessarily have an opinion on them until I have I've seen them all now. Um and uh that was one of our rules. We could not vote for a movie we had not seen yes. um and you'd have to go with whatever the other person voted. So I made sure I saw all of them before any of the votes took place. It and was a lot up front. The bracket, we? the
0: bracket is picked and the bracket is determined by ratings and it's seeded in that way. We're not just randomly saying changing mm-hmm. this film. It's this is the way yeah. that they do them.
1: And now, I mean, the bracket did its job and it it sorted them accordingly. So like our number one, Matt's number one pick played my number 15 pick and vice versa. My number one played his Mm. 15 and it works its way into the middle. Um, But now we're getting pair ups that are going to be challenging because now it's winner take all. So uh, Ringu versus the Changeling. Matt actually voted for Ringu, which was my movie. And I voted for the Changeling, which was Matt's movie. Um, But... I, I was underwhelmed by Ringu and I really loved the changeling. So it was an easy vote for me. So it came down to the audience and you guys voted for the changeling. Um, and so it advances to the elite eight. It was the first uh, film to advance. Um, and we then went, uh, do you have any comments on that, that particular matchup, Matt? I don't want to rush uh, through no, this too much.
0: No, I don't feel too, um, to just uh, devastated. them. my pick in Ringu didn't didn't uh win the changeling is a fantastic film so uh, happy to see it go through jb and the next one though yeah uh, this is uh, i'm glad that the this one won jb
1: so pulse versus the dark and the wicked now um i am having some uh memory bias apparently because both uh, host and the dark and the wicked i have very high ratings on on letterboxd but my memory has faded on both of those films. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like the attachment to them. I feel like if they had left the impact where I remember them vividly, I would easily vote for them. Um, and so I, I voted for Pulse. Matt voted for The Dark and the Wicked. And listeners, you guys voted for The Dark and the Wicked. So it advances. I have no problem with that. But I'd seen Pulse most recently. So I was like, well, that movie seems pretty, pretty impressive. I'm going to vote for that I again.
0: I saw a. I don't. I can't remember the outlet now. It was a. It was a pretty big one. It was one of the big outlets who had. And the, you know the, these these stories are always a little bit hokey to me. But it was twenty five films that will get you. That will elevate your pulse to kind of unnatural levels. And one of the films on there was The Dark and the Wicked. It's a film that I still don't think many people have seen. But I'm constantly seeing it appear on these kind of lists of yeah. this this is an exceptionally scary film. This is this is this is taut, atmospheric tense, one of the best films of the horror films of the last uh five, ten years or so. But I still don't think it's actually kind of broken through that much, if you know what I mean. So hopefully maybe we, even if it doesn't win, we can get a few more eyes on it.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those films. We saw it at Fantasia Fest, if I remember correctly. That's right, yeah. Um online. And uh, it, it stayed with me then. Um, I, I read my review recently because I was trying to refresh my memory on the movie because we watched a lot of movies that week because it was a festival. So it was like bombarded. Um, and that was, I think, 2020. So I've seen a b- lot of movies, uh, as I've mentioned. So um, but yeah, it's clearly got its uh, following. If you haven't seen it, I think it's still it is Obviously, all of these movies are on Shutter except. I don't remember which one wasn't uh, here in the states. There was like one issue early, but it was on
0: Lake Mungo, I think,
1: Um, possibly. And uh, Dark and the Wicked though is on Shutter, so check it out. Um, I I might try to rewatch it if I can fit it into my busy schedule here. Um, Next up though, Lake Mungo versus Ginger Snaps. Now I had I did a other podcast, uh, Burke Reviews Movie Club, covered Lake Mungo years ago. Uh, Again. I, I have a positive rating. I haven't re-listened to the episode to hear my thoughts on it. Um, I don't – I remember parts of it. I don't remember all of it. So, again, it, I, I went with the more recent film that I had been wanting to watch for a while, and I really like Ginger Snaps. So I voted for Ginger Snaps. Matt and uh, you audience members, you voted for Lake Mungo, so it advances, and that gives us our first Elite Eight matchup. It's going to be a Changeling versus Lake Mungo. Uh, that and is – am- a, a powerful matchup, apparently. Um, I think both deal with ghosts, right?
0: Uh, yeah, that yes. In kind of one, well, excuse the kind of odd pun, but one form or another, that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And we do have when we, on next week's episode, we do have a couple of heavyweight clashes to go through as well. But it's it, when we get to this stage of the bracket, the films that are left should be, uh, you'd hope of a particularly high quality and something like Lake Mungo and Jindasnaps. So like, tonally different films. And they're both, yeah excellent and it's one of those funny ones where if you put ginger snaps and me against some of the other ones it got it, it I, I choose it there and then but like yeah. Mungo strangled me when i saw it and even what? now it's so so uh the, the feeling i get from remembering it and watching it the first time was so devastating that it that that wins like a point or two more for me which is why i had to ch- choose it but god damn i do like ginger snaps
1: I think it's worth noting too, that pretty much all the movies on this list are, are good. Like I think, I think the lowest rated one was like a 3.1. Um, you yeah, we did well picking those. Yeah. Now I didn't like all of them. I didn't like <laughs> the color out of shape very much. And I didn't like, um, uh, I didn't like how come true ended. Although I, I liked a lot of come true at first and then it progressively lost me. Um, but, and then there's been some movies that, uh, I had, like reanimator i had painted a very different picture of what that movie would be and i really enjoyed it and i just saw a film i'm going to talk about in a little bit that is by the same writer of reanimator and has a lot of reanimator elements in it that i also kind of clicked with um so uh the point being like no matter who ends up winning this which whichever film becomes the first ever uh champion that's not to say any of these films aren't good or again like you matt said you mix up a matchup and that film might advance where it it just couldn't couldn't hear uh ginger snaps being one of those possible like maybe if it was if if it had gone up against pulse maybe ginger snaps moves on who knows um which is i think the case with this one revenge versus goodnight mommy um this one was the tightest we have had i think in the entire bracket so far matt voted for his goodnight mommy i voted for revenge um Revenge is more my I don't know I really liked the the revenge part of it like yeah, the um, it is, yeah yeah it just really Retribution. It was, it's so visceral and brutal and uh so much blood yeah and there's some really interesting filmmaking in revenge like some some weird camera stuff that I thought was uh yes, kind of yeah. compelling
0: good night mommy, but, though my friend is creepy unsettling and so what a yeah. twist it's yeah. which is I loved revenge when I saw it this was tough. So we had to ask you guys, you please, please separate us guys. And you yeah. didn't.
1: You yeah, didn't. Uh, the audience was split down the middle on both Instagram and Twitter. So we ended up with a draw and our rules for the draw are whichever film has the higher letterbox rating advances. Revenge squeaks out, has a 3.5. Good night. Mommy has a 3.4. Wow. So it could not have been tighter. Um, but what but Revenge wins by technicality
0: if they both had the same letterbox score, what do we do then? Flip a coin.
1: You know what? I was hoping that wouldn't happen. Uh, It might happen. Um, Yeah, I guess, I I guess we flip a coin if that, if that occurs. Um, Nearly did.
0: That was, uh, this is the beauty of these films though, is that whereas they may not be like juggernauts in terms of films that the whole world has seen. Good night, mummy and revenge are bloody good horror films. And it would seem that we think that you guys think that and the letterbox guys think that as well. And that's the great, thing about doing a a bracket like this is when it's not, it's not even about something versus something, the spot we have to market that. Yeah, let's just celebrate all of these films. Yeah. You know I mean? e- e- even the next one, JB, which was, this was a clean sweep across the board, but that isn't the first the one
1: that, in the elite eight. Yeah. Yeah. The first, exactly. The first one. And, first, sweet 16, and sorry. Uh,
0: that in the sweet 16, that is the strength of the bracket as well, that we are still struggling to, um, separate these films however when we got to what Josiah saw very good film versus the Babadook the Babadook s- s- it swept it it, it, it isn't. and again not to say that the Babadook is you know infinitely better than what Josiah saw because what Josiah saw is actually a really good film as a Shudder original and I'm so glad that as mentioned it before that we're getting uh, or at least up until this point we have had Shudder original films in this um sweet 16 and maybe even going forward into the elite eight it, it we're getting some more of those actual like, streaming original films going in which uh then proves that shutter can hold its own against the big boys hey however though jb with well, the babadook was a clean sweep and i mean we, we it, it would be stupid to say we can't argue with that because we both went for it didn't we
1: yeah and i i uh, I was a person who, went my first viewing of the Babadook, I was kind of on the fence. And it's <laughs> through study and reading and re-watching that I've become a huge fan of the Babadook. And I'm excited to see it sweep. Um, especially, it was my pick, but I'm still, yeah. I was excited to see other people agreeing with me um, so far. And so, uh, we didn't say this, but um, currently for the Elite Eight, we have two matchups set. The Changeling versus Lake Mungo. The Dark and the Wicked versus Revenge. The Babadook will uh, be play- uh, be competing against the winner of Possession in VHS 94, which will be coming out in a couple of days for the vote. Um, and uh, currently on your social media, uh, I guess it's already passed by the time you're hearing this, uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe versus Host, um, and then Halloween versus Wreck. Uh, the winners wow. of those will uh, be competing against each other. So yeah, some big matchups on the way.
0: Yeah, looking forward, uh, actually, I'm not looking forward to uh doing the results of some of those because you know, some it's like picking between your favorite kids. Some of them Halloween versus wreck is a titanic um battle, and that's only in the second round, so yeah, it's going to be tough going forward, but I'm digging it. So, yeah, please, guys, do jump on the Instagram and Twitter polls, Instagram stories, and the Twitter feed on the BAMP. We'll give out all the social links at the end, but please do join in because we want to do it again next year, and we've already got ideas on how to um widen the scope next year as well but to be fair it's going to be tough to find already i'm looking at this list of um 30 film 31 films think man we're gonna try and beat that next year good luck
1: yeah well listeners that's our uh essentially chopped headlines um our own headline uh (laughs) we're gonna move on to our last segment well technically last segment media consumption movies tv video games music podcasts things that we do to pass the time between recordings matt what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded well,
0: um, like you said, JB, we haven't had as much time in between recordings. Usually we'd have an extra few days in order to uh, watch some stuff. So mine's been really quite short. I listened to Nightmare on Film Street. Uh, I listen to Watch Double Toasted on YouTube. And um, that's about it in terms of podcasts. I haven't really listened to much. Again, I don't really listen to them unless I have a commute to do. And I haven't really had one in the last well, week to 10 days. So I've been a little bit lacking on that side, but uh, in terms, of, I've been playing EA Sports FC 24 or FIFA, as it used to be called. Uh, I've been playing that with my buddies online. In, uh, that's what's taken up most of the time. Uh, of course, we do that in the evening. I have though downloaded Disney's Speed Sport. Is that what it's called? Speed Sport. Yeah, a Speed Storm. Speed Storm. Damn! I told my brother it's called Speed Sport. Uh, speed Storm. Uh, so I've got that downloaded. So now I need to speak to this guy um, for anonymity's sake. I'll just call him John B. And sort out uh, a time to get on there and race against each other, um, and get some yes. get some some bamp competitiveness going. So I'd like to play that very soon. Uh, and films, n- not much, not really that all that lot. Other than Killers of the Flower Moon, because that took up my entire Saturday evening. Um, I've watched Alfie from 1966 and The Professionals from 1966 um, in preparation for movie astrology. We've now, or we've either now dropped or. We're about to drop part two of our six part 1966 coverage. If Movie astrology has now changed where we're going to be covering a year in film still, but we're splitting up into six episodes, six monthly episodes. The first episode is a quick intro to the year and talking about the notable releases. And then episodes two, three, four, five, six are covering the top 10 highest gross in films, two per year. So 10 to nine, eight to seven, so on and so forth. On this episode, we are uh, both chatting about Alfie and The Professionals, so please go check that out. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. Subscribe to Movie Astrology on YouTube as well. We'd love to. We've only just started, so we're very fledgling, so any subscribers we can get on there and likes and comments, positive ones, would be so well appreciated, uh, guys. So yeah, check that. Out. Uh, check out Movie Astrology on all the socials for all the details there. But the other the only other film I saw, this is probably why I didn't see any other film this week, because... I just didn't think I could bring myself to after this, JP. Last week, you'd mentioned watching When Evil Lurks and how much it, you know, it, it whipped you into shape a little bit. You know, it it, 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 you found When Evil, this is one that, how do I put it? Well, it traumatized you. That's your words, isn't it, John? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, I, as somebody who loves horror and thinks that I've been there, seen it, done it all, Nothing scares this guy. Nothing apart from Evil Dead Rise. Nothing gets me anymore. Um, I watched it when Evil Lurks got the screener from our guys at the PR team. Um, got to put my review out. It's an Argentinian horror film like John mentioned. And my word was this an experience. There were, John mentioned that there were a handful of moments. He didn't tell me any of them, but he said there were a handful of moments which are just kind of jaw-dropping yet they went there kind of horror moments and one specifically which he kind of tried to warn me about in a roundabout way and that one mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah it whipped me as well i can't give any spoilers but there is moments in this where they they really push the boundaries and they show that they're not afraid to break a few taboos and it's a tough watch it's a heavy watch it's a tough watch it will, it's satisfying in a way by the time that they get to the end of the film because it kind of feels like well, this is the natural progression of what would actually happen uh, by the time we get to the end. But really heavy, really tough, fantastic horror film when evil Looks. If you are frightened of subtitles, get over yourself very quickly because some of the best horror you'll see out there is in a foreign language. When evil lurks is a, another great example of that. I'm so glad that JB, um, Took the screener and watched it on a whim because I had it and just didn't think to request it. As soon as JB said he was into it and loved it, well, it made him feel all the things. I was like, yeah, I need to get on board with this. So, recommend when evil looks is coming. Again, we're not sponsored by Shudder. We promise you. We'd like to be if, if the next horror movie, have it, guys. But this is coming out on Shudder by, I think it's the end of the- this week upon release of this podcast. Yeah, it I think is you're right. The end of this week. So, do check it out. Put your phone away. Just watch the film get scared it's almost halloween this is a good one to watch in the lead up to it so uh, a couple of completely different films there alfie a film well alfie is alfie all our thoughts on movie astrology to professionals A western just seen a kind of american crime western with killers of the flower moon and then a devastating horror film in when evil lurks so bit of a mixed bag jb and then by the time we get to our next episode i'm sure there'll be a little bit more meat on the bones for my consumption but what about yourself because you'll never shy on a few uh, bits of consumption
1: um i mean i have uh, been busier than i've actually been playing a lot of video games and that's where a lot of the time i would be watching yeah. movies has been given to um but uh blank check i actually just i work out uh sunday morning my ritual is i wake up uh the new episode of blank check is downloaded I listen to it while I eat my breakfast. I go to the gym. I listen to it while I'm at the gym and yes. I usually finish it right after, uh, I, I like will walk the dogs or whatever when I get back. And, uh, that's what happened. They, they did the curious case of Benjamin button, uh, as we are continuing the David Lynch series. Um, and then yesterday, uh, they had dropped the world is not enough commentary. Um, so I, you know, I've watched those movies. So I'm listening to the commentaries. Uh, I always enjoy the commentaries. It's, that's a Patreon thing, but, mm-hmm. um, Suitable flesh is the movie I alluded to a few minutes ago. Uh, I think it's director Joe Lynch. Yes, it, um, is. it stars Barbara Crampton and Heather Graham um, and Judah Judah something Judah. He's in the, the babysitter and um, another thing that we reviewed, if I remember correctly. But um, I at first was not feeling the movie. I was very much like this feels like real B movie. And then. It, it kind of falls, you get to why it feels that way. And it makes a lot of sense. And the movie really, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff, very cool horror things. Um, Heather Graham. I don't think I've ever seen Graham in a horror film. Um, I, you know, think of I, I think of awesome powers. She's, I think she's fine in the spy who shags me. Um, obviously her big movie was roller girl or a big role was roller girl in, um, boogie nights. Uh, and, um, you know, she's in the hangover, but like a lot of times I think we, we don't think of Heather Graham as like top tier. And it starts that way where you're like, Oh, Oh man, <laughs> she's really just reading the, the lines off of a script. And that it, it, again, it by the end, I was like, Oh, she's actually pretty good in this. And Barbara Crampton, I've become a mega fan of Barbara Crampton, dude. Like I've, I've explored a lot oh, of okay. 80s horror. Yeah. And man, she's, she, yes, she is very pigeonholed, right? Like she does this type of character. But I do enjoy her. I think she brings something to those roles that uh, other actresses maybe wouldn't have. Um, like, she, it feels like she's trying, you know, like she's taking it seriously, not too serious. She's having fun with it, but she's not like, oh, I'm stuck in this. Like, it's, it's she's like, I'm going to act. I'm going to, you know, and from what I've seen on her socials, she very much embraces being that. Um, yes, and it, yes. it, it comes across and it's, it's, it's nice. Like, I, I don't know, horror has, horror is such a w- interesting genre to explore because if you talk to fans of horror, they, you know, like Matt, uh, you, you guys hold it, it with high regard. Um, and then there are like fans of horror, but they're very elitist fans, right? They only like certain horror. And I would probably fall more into that bracket. And then there are people who just think the worst of horror that it's, it's, it's filth. It's trash. It's, you know, has no place in, in cinema. Um, and I think a lot of that attitude permeates when you talk about actors who are explicitly in that genre Um, and Crampton obviously being one of them. But like when you she seems very happy with her career and her and it comes across and, you know, there are definitely actors who have been stuck in it and you can tell they don't want to do it. Um, they do it because it's a paycheck and that stinks. I, I don't, no one's job should feel like that. Right. Like I, in, in any industry, I want you, I would love for everyone to like what they do. It definitely, especially if you work with people, it's way better if you actually like doing that job than if you don't, um, like waitresses, like you can tell the difference of a waitress who does it cause they need money and those who actually enjoy the process. Um, yeah. but, uh, suitable flesh, man. Uh, I, it won me over, uh, my reviews up at dot but it, Really cool movie. Uh, again, it's for horror fans, though. It's not going to be for those who don't like horror. Especially, I think fans of Reanimator, I think will will click with some of the stuff in this movie. Uh, the opening shot is um, Barbara Crampton looking into a body bag, and you are fil- the camera is in the body bag, like the film is all black, and then the you see the light as it unzips, and you're looking up from the body bag, and it's a really cool shot. Um, there's a lot of like really innovative filmmaking in it that I thought was pretty cool
0: nice i uh there's one of the films which i requested at. i think it's fantasia and tribeca i think but they were not giving away screen um ah. screeners um, well, it's
1: coming to shutter so you might want to hit up your contact shutter there we go um i'll check the old
0: um screener account hopefully it'll be in there but um yeah that's that that's given me uh, more momentum to watch it now so uh, yeah hopefully it's decent
1: um then uh the next two things i can't talk about Any specifics, I'm under embargo, but uh, my reviews for both will be up at Disappointment Media this week, I think. Um, One is a documentary, and it's, I think, well, I'll just say what it is. It's called Subject, um, and it's a documentary about documentary film. Uh, They are interviewing previous subjects of big, successful documentaries, Um, specifically Five, uh, The Wolf Pack, a documentary I have talked about and taught many times. Um, and, and have extensive knowledge of that film. Uh, they are talking to um, Makunda from that specifically, but oh, and the mother um, whose name I'm not going to remember right now, but um, they talk to, uh, I'm going to forget all five documentaries. Uh, it's the Wolfpack, Hoop Dreams, um, The Staircase, which is I think a docu-series more so than a singular documentary, The mm-hmm. um, Case of the Freedmans, which is one I had not heard of, and The Square, which I'd heard of but have not seen, which is um, a film about the Egyptian um, turmoil or the I I can't think of the better phrase for that right now. But um, so they're focusing on those five and the subjects from those films and how being subjects of a documentary that was extremely successful changed their lives, basically, and uh, posing ethical questions about when we make documentaries, what is the role of the filmmaker? What is the role of, of society? What is, you know, what are the expectations that the subject should have with the filmmaker? It's a very meta kind of commentary on the process of documentary film. So any, any fans of that genre should keep subject on their radar and see it uh, when you can. Again, that's not giving any actual opinions of the film, just saying that's what the film is about. That's what it is marketed as, and it will be coming out sometime soon so there's no critical commentary on my part from subject there um
0: a documentary about documentaries is the most john burke thing i've ever heard
1: yeah uh, dude for a film (laughs) teacher even if i'm currently not teaching film but a person who will forever be a person who tries to get people to appreciate cinema at a higher level um yeah it's 100 percent made for someone like me uh if i were still teaching film this would already be like well how can i teach this can i have it now because this is literally (laughs) i talk about so many of the things that this film is addressing when i teach documentary film so like this would be i I, like it frustrates me that i'm not teaching film because i immediately know where i would put this in a lesson plan but um without again saying if it's good or bad no comment um I am reviewing a TV series for the first time. Uh, I've reviewed a couple of series over the course of book reviews, but generally speaking, I don't review series. Um, But one show a while ago, about maybe two years ago, grabbed me called Letter Kenny. I'm a big fan of Letter Kenny. I've watched all I think it's 12 seasons now. Um and they're short seasons. There's it's it's an easy watch. They're like twenty minute episodes, and it's basically just rapid fire comedy that somehow still has story. The, the way Jared Kiso has managed to tell story through character actions and weird comedic like like it's literally like minutes of just people riffing, and somehow it feels like characters. Um, in in real ways, like it's I, I I'm so so enamored with Letter Kenny. Letter Kenny last year we got a spin-off series called Shorezy. I was equally a fan of Shorezy season 1. Um and I got to do uh Shorezy season 2. Now that's going to be dropping here in the States on Hulu on the 27th, all six episodes for the season. It's a short that's why I decided to do it. it's 6 20-minute episodes. So it's basically it's shorter than Killers on the Flower Moon. Um in for an entire season of a TV series. That's wild. So, it is when you when you frame it that way right like uh but i only also i only
0: live a flower moon and not a whole t- series of tv
1: yeah i have only seen the f- five of the six episodes uh which was frustrating um because now i have to wait until friday to see the final but uh i i can't say if it's good or bad but my review will be up at uh Disappointment media and then lastly uh, much like anybody who is a video gamer i bought spider-man 2 and have started playing that. I am not super far into it. It is clearly very good. Um, I will say, my one comment on the entire trilogy, uh, there's three games from this franchise, right? There's Spider-Man, there's Spider-Man Miles Morales, and there's Spider-Man 2 now. I think the game suffers because of Spider-Verse. And I say that because oh. the miles we get in the game is not the same miles we got on the, in the movie, and I very much like the miles in the movie more. Than the Miles in the games. Um, I don't dislike Miles in the game, but I definitely would like you're not as cool as the Miles from the movie. <laughs> like he's, I would much rather he's be playing. Cool that game.
0: In the film, isn't
1: he? He's so cool. And this one, I'm like, I don't I don't love you as much. Like I again, I like him. But I know yeah. there's another one. And it's like <laughs> the other one is cooler. Um I, I miss want that guy. One. How yeah, far through the game are you? Uh, not I it's hard to tell because I do I get I like being Spider-Man yeah. when I play the game. So like much like I very much like Hogwarts legacy. Cause I like being a wizard in the wizarding world. So I'm doing too many side quests. Uh, so it's <laughs> slowing me down. Cause I'm like, also part of the, the nature of the side quest is like, you're swinging to the, the next story mission. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like over here, there's a crime. You're like, well, I got to stop that crime. I can't swing past the crime. No. That would be wrong. And, and you've got to so- go to the hook and ladder at least once. Yeah, you get, you, it's so easy to get distracted playing that game. Um, and, uh, especially cause in the early parts of the game, you don't have a way to fast travel. So you yeah. have to like swing through the city or they have added some other traveling type mechanisms that I won't say. Cause I don't, it's, it's very early in the game, but still, I feel like it's, it's, I didn't know going into the game that this was going to be a travel component. Um, yeah. and it's a major change from the previous two games as a travel component. But, um, so, like, I'm exploring the city to get to the the next story mission, but then I have to I have to do all this. Like, well, I'll go ahead and get these three side quests because they're like they're right here, and that's and then also because you have to you want to unlock all the things, and you can't unlock all the things if you don't do all the side quests. So, I get it slows me down a lot. I've probably played for like four hours uh, over the last two days. Um, nice. And the- I,
0: I only ask because uh, some two people I know who have played the game. I think I mentioned this the other day. Um said that because I asked them, you know, what I, I haven't played it yet, I will do it at some point. Um, you know, I said what's it like? You know, everybody knows how good Miles Morales was in the first one. Um uh, and there's both people actually surprisingly said to start with, a little shaky, but when it gets going, you know, after the first couple of hours, it really kind of hits home and goes.
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm invested, but yeah, there's a few things where I'm like, this feels a little a little tedious but uh in like an understandable way because you see a lot of setup happening and i'm like okay um
0: as long as there's payoff in the end it's then it's fine yeah
1: but uh the i should have played more the reason i haven't played more is because of speedstorm i am very addicted (laughs) to disney speedstorm i i've always liked mario kart but i don't I don't think I've ever. I don't think any of the Mario Kart's that I played had an online component. And while I'm not great at this, uh, I lose quite a bit, and sometimes in frustrating ways, where I'll be first and then, like the last second, I'm suddenly seventh. Um, I, I, I want to unlock the the racers, and like, there's a lot of grindy stuff about it, but I have fun doing the grinding because every race is different, right? And the game does not seem to punish you. For losing. You you still get points to progression even if you're dead last. Um, which I like because if, if I was like dropping in ranks every time I lost, I would be so frustrated. Not but punished, because
0: yep.
1: right. Because even though it slows your progression down because you're not getting as many points, it's still this like positive affirmation like, well, at least you showed up. <laughs> it's like, thank you. Um and so it's it. yeah, I I am man, I'm having a blast and uh I am you know, like it's, it's man, it's super grindy. Like I can't sit here and act like if you want all the racers, it's, it's going to take a lot of effort or a lot of money. I'm not investing money. Uh, I have paid. Mm-hmm. I, I think I said I paid for the, uh, the annual or the subscription, the pass for like the season or whatever. Uh, Cause you get more stuff when you do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like 10 bucks for the season. That's, that's no, what man. a lot of these games are doing. And the game's free. So like, I wouldn't, if I had paid $60 for this game, I wouldn't be compelled to pay 10 more dollars, but I'm playing the game for free. 10 bucks doesn't feel like so much to spend on a game i'm enjoying especially like i i really want to play um too much i'm playing way too much uh and again because a race is fast like you, you a race is like three or four minutes um and so you're just like well i'll just do one more i'll just do one more and then like two hours have gone by you're like oh crap i've done a lot of races um but yeah i i like the game so uh that's what i've been playing the most
0: yeah no, I need to get on it. I need to uh, play a few games and then I'm guessing it's is it is it co-op or multiplayer or versus? Is there a remote? Uh, for that? Uh,
1: yes, uh, it's not like so. I it's not co-op. I don't think I have not partied up with anybody. But you can you can get a party of up to three racers, and then races are eight people. Um, I assume oh, you cool. can do like a private race if you want to, but like you can party up and then do a rank match or party up and do. They have one uh, a mode that is. I forget what it's called, but it basically gives all of the racers are at level thirty, regardless. Yeah. So it like balances out the playing field, um, but the prizes are less for that. Where like the the ranked, you are if your racer is like level seven and you're up against a level twenty five, good luck. You might not win, but again, there's no penalty for not winning. Uh, you just won't get as many points, um, but you get other prizes for for that mode that are better. So like it, you kind okay. of you have to hedge. What what are you looking to get? Um, but yeah, I, I want to, I definitely want to play Matt. Uh, we gotta, we gotta sync up. Yes,
0: sir. Yeah. I need to start playing more games and start justifying the cost of this PS5, my friend, but I'm glad to hear you enjoying it.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's good times, but that's it for consumption folks. Uh, we are going to wrap up, uh, before we leave, we have to check in with each other, make sure we're doing something to stay bloody awesome because if we're going to keep doing this show. We got to make sure our, uh, levels are up there. So Matt, I need to know. What have you been doing to stay bloody awesome?
0: Oh, sorry. You woke me up, John. I have been sleeping. I don't know it sounds really stupid, but um, also we've had less time since the last episode to be bloody awesome. But uh, I, I've had a weekend off of doing anything this weekend, which is a, uh, is a blessing, you know, as much as I want to uh, do things in my head and that is, is a blessing sometimes to just be able to sleep. And I have made the most of it. I've been so tired in the last week. I've been getting over a cold, uh and it's the dregs that just won't go away you know having to get up early like everyone and go to work and toil away and then come back and then your body never quite has a chance to chill out i have been making the most of it i wouldn't say i've been sleeping in because at the age we are now you know laying in seems to be about eight o'clock max but um just making the most of getting as much sleep as possible or being able to switch the alarm off get an extra hour or two in or at, at very worst it's sort of like laying in bed and just you know doom scrolling through youtube or something and just chilling out a bit more uh that's pretty much it other than recording podcasts with tom burke that's pretty much it my friend is getting some sleep in but
1: um what about you i'm sure you've done something pretty sharp uh yes good good pun um i uh i listeners you may not know this i don't know if you've ever bothered to look us up but i am bald i have been bald uh pretty much since i was 20 21 um and by bald I do shave my head, but I shave my head out of vanity because I started going bald in the center of the top of my head very young. Like, age 20, it started thinning, and by 22, it was noticeable, so it it was like, you know what? just going to bick. Shave it off. And um, so I haven't been to a barbershop or a hairstylist in over 20 years. Um, I've been shaving my own head for 20 years, mostly successfully. I did, uh, Matt, I don't know if I've ever told you about this uh, failed experiment. I bought this thing called the head blade that it was like a ring that you put on your finger. And the idea was that you just kind of like swipe your head and it'll like easily shave. I almost died. I cut myself so many times with that stupid thing. It sounds
0: quite dangerous.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, in, in theory, it it sounded like this will be easy. It was not. Um, so went back to the regular razor, but I have shaved my head pretty much forever. Um, and this year I've always had some type of facial hair, but I've always kept it kind of short and trim, uh, easy enough to buy a a beer trimmer and do it yourself. I have decided to grow my beard long, um, as a trend. And a lot of people are doing, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I've always wanted to try it. Why not? Um, and it's been growing long. Uh, if you watched our last astrology video, the first episode from 1966, you saw the very shaggy ish beard. Um, and I, I want it to still be clean, but long. So I decided to try going to a barber and having my beard trimmed. Um, and it was quite the experience. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I, I used to love going to the hair salon um, as a kid, getting my hair cut and, you know, them shaving it. And it, it was a nice f- experience, especially, I don't know, uh, Matt, how often you go to a, a stylist or whatever, but uh, the, them washing my head was always like my favorite thing. Um,
0: stylist, John, it's too expensive for me. Mine is uh, well. the uh, kind of 15 bucks, um, fade at the side and a little bit off the top, please. 15, 10, 15 minutes later, I'm done.
1: Yeah. I was surprised how long my barber, uh, took time to do my beard and stuff. Um, but, uh, it's, it, so the new video you will have seen listener that, uh, I had just gone to the barber that morning. Um, and, uh, I thought they did a great job. Um, I'm probably going to do that at least once a month. I, I want it, I really want to let it grow. I do think it's maybe a little shorter than I wanted initially. Um, but I want it, I want it to keep growing long and then, but it's still being clean and trimmed. Uh, so, uh, a, a new part of my life, I think I might be visiting a barber again once a month or so uh, and about the same price, Matt, just a, a beard trim somewhere between depending on which barber I go to seems to be between eight to 20 bucks. Um, inflation is real, folks. But yeah, uh, that was my same bloody awesome is, uh, you know, ke- keeping keeping my uh, my beard maintained.
0: Keeping sharp, but when uh, again, when we do astrology, we also have a video podcast on Spotify and YouTube. When John logged on pre recording, it's uh, I said to him before, so it's not new news to him, but you know, you notice something's different, but you can't, either you can't quite put your finger on it, or you just don't want to kind of hazard a guess. I was like, something looks different, you know, so something there, yeah, he's still, still, uh, still like a, an animalistically handsome man. I was like, something's different here. And then he mentioned that you know he had the he had the, um, the grooming and the trimming down on the beard. And da- damn, it, it looks good. It, and it does look sharp in every sense of the word. So, uh, yeah, go, go check out JB's face.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and that's the episode, listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of the much. Uh, I, it's almost unbelievable that it's coming out. Five Nights at Freddy's movie is coming out. Um, I don't know, Matt. What you what you have with this, but I've I've been a high school teacher for the last thirteen years, um, and Five Nights at Freddy's. Was, not only was my daughter super obsessed with those games when they first came out, but so many of my students were. Um, that it's when they announced the movie, which I feel like was seven years ago. Um, that it, like it was like, how do you turn this game into a movie? It doesn't really feel like it's got like much of a story. There's like lore, but at the same time, and now there's been many games. There's been books written the lore has been expanded and i gotta say the movie's trailer looks good like i was mm. surprised when the trailer dropped i was like oh
0: i actually yeah. want to see this i just hope it, they nail the atmosphere and the dread um more so than any kind of gore as well i just hope i, I just basically i just want to feel uncomfortable watching it
1: well we got uh, josh hutcherson is the lead and um oh boy why can't i not think of his name Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard is uh, yeah. is in it, which is always exciting. Um, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't starred in something in a while, but obviously, I love him in Scream. I I really liked him in uh, SLC Punk, um, and uh, I I actually have never sat through any of the live action Scooby Doo's all the way through, so I have no opinions.
0: They're fine. It's, it's Scream, isn't it, man? I'll, I'll be right back. That's what it's all about. Scream. It is.
1: Um. So yeah, we're gonna be talking Five Nights at Freddy's uh, on our next episode. I have no attachment outside my daughter. Loved the game when I was a kid, so or when I was a kid, when she was a kid, I was a kid. Wow, this game, yeah. phone games did not exist because our phones were were rotary. Uh, anyway, nevertheless, um, we'll be here to talk about that. We want to hear your thoughts on Killers of the Flower Moon, on Brendan Fraser's yelling, on uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, the franchise, maybe even, or you know, have you played Disney Speedstorm? Um, hit us up on socials on Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, Twitter.
0: We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast.
1: Um, Facebook, you can find us by searching Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, we also are available uh, individually. You can find me at burkerview.com or at BerkReviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt, uh,
0: whatIwatchtonight.co.uk and just search for What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd.
1: And if you like the podcast, if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a moment and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen because it helps other people find the show. And that is our goal at the end of the day. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies.
0: And stay bloody awesome.
1: Blah, 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 blah.